You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Matty Rose on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's not bad. It's the Kelsey brothers. This is just Jason. I know. You could definitely tell yeah. it's him. <laughs> <laughs> when does Travis come in? Soon. It's going to be soon. Just skip forward. Yeah, just skip forward and hear Travis sing. Yeah. Yeah, he's here. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. You know what? His brother has a lot more soul in his yeah. voice. Right? Yeah, baritone. Yeah. He does sound like a, a Disney prince, though, right? Like, he does. He kind of sounds like someone where you're like, yeah, he probably looks better than he sings, yeah. you know? He's definitely a Disney prince. Yeah, he he checks a lot of boxes. He does. Um, at the bottom of the hour, uh, your chance to win uh, Aquaman and Lost Kingdom on December 22nd. Movie tickets courtesy of Landmark Cinemas. Your favorite Christmas movie at the bottom of the hour and why. Your least favorite Christmas movie and why at the bottom of the hour. Ryan Leslie at the top of the next hour. But right now, Fairy tale on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, ESPN senior NHL writer, Mr. Greg Wyshynski. Wish, how are you? It's it's you know that song is like is like watching the brotherly shove. It's like yeah. Jason's doing all the work. Like it's just everybody he really else is line up behind him. He's doing all the work. <laughs> but but is he snapping it legally now? Which yeah. that's the key. Is he snapping it you legally? Know, let's let's pause on that for a second. I know I know I'm on to talk about hockey, but <laughs> I I was thinking about hockey while watching the NFL the last two weeks because ever since. The Chiefs got nailed to that offensive offside, yeah. which as a guy who's watched football since, I mean, my God, like the 80s, uh, I maybe seen that penalty now three times all in the last two weeks. And I feel like it's like in the NHL when some weird call gets made and then all of a sudden the refs start calling it all the time yeah. to kind of like make it seem like it's normal. Mm-hmm. Like that's what happened to happen in the NFL. Like the, the, the offensive offside is something you never see get called. Right. They got called twice last weekend because they're trying to make it seem like they didn't screw up. <laughs> and it's like a normal thing that happens all the time. It's classic, classic officiating. Um, Wish, what is the worst rule in the history of the NHL? Was it the foot in the crease rule? Yeah, it had to be the foot in the crease rule because it was so inconsequential of the play. I mean, it, it literally was one of those things where, you know, not to... <laughs> Not, not to dredge up bad memories from 2023, but it kind of reminds you of the blanket ban on specialty jerseys. It's like, it's like an all-or-nothing proposition. We can't have it be like uh, judging a play based on what happens in the play. It's just going to be like if your foot's in the crease, that's it. We have to make it black and white. We have to make it simple. It, you know, it's an all-or-nothing proposition. And, and it did something at the time. Again, the, the context of that is the real reason why it's one of the worst rules because it was happening at a time when all the NHL needed was goals. They didn't yeah. have any goals. Like, they were trying to market guys like Peter Forsberg as, like, the face of the league, and he's putting up, like, 80 points in a season because it's a trap. So he created a rule that annoys everybody because it's, it's black and white and cut and dry and, 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 and you know, play, situations where that had no impact on the play are being, you know, penalized and wiped off the board. And then you're doing it at a time when goals should be at a premium, and it was just such a nonsensical move. What what's a rule that's gone that needs to come back? You know, I I don't I kind of like where the game is right now outside of the shootout. Um, but I had a conversation with Sidney Crosby before the season, 
That's a solid and name drop, Wish. Yeah. That is a solid yeah, I know, name right? drop. You know? nope. yeah. Listen, I'm not, I'm not Rob Rossi. I don't get texts from him or anything. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I, do, I, do, I did have a conversation with him, and, and he said something that I thought was very interesting, which is that he was very curious, given where the game is now from a, from a talent and a personnel perspective, what happens if you put the red line back in? What happens if you get rid of the two-line pass? What does the game look like now that it is built on speed, it's built on skill, it's built on having guys on your fourth line that are every bit as, as talented as the guys in your second line? What does the game look like if, if you kind of harken back to uh, getting rid of the two-line pass and, and having it you know, be a bit more strategic and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and deliberate? Now, this is a guy on, a, on like the oldest team in the league saying this. <laughs> so maybe, 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 maybe Sid had a little bit of, uh, of, of an underlying reason why he would want the stretch passes and guys, you know, sprinting out of the zone to be limited, but you know, he's one of the most smartest guys in the league and like one of the most, like the biggest hockey fans in the league. And I thought that was an interesting statement, you know, because the, the game is re- truly in a much different place now than it was when they had to implement all those rules changes after the canceled season um, into just so far as how rosters are built and, and the fact that we have so much young, exciting talent that it would be interesting to see how they would handle it if they went back a little bit on those rules. But at the same time, you don't want to ruin a good thing. I mean, we had the highest scoring season on a per team per game basis last year since like 93, 94. So thing, things are good. So we, we should, probably shouldn't tinker with it too much. Yeah, and things continue to be good. There's been a lot of good hockey lately. Now we've got the holiday freeze here. Uh, we're not going to see any moves until, I don't know, maybe the new year per se, but it's the 28th where the freeze actually does end. Uh, there's a lot of conversation around the Calgary Flames and their three UFAs. Has your mind changed on the idea that they should trade all three uh, at this point, just given how they've played lately? No, I, I still think that's, I mean, that's probably the best move, especially you know, it's going to be a case-by-case basis to know, you know, if they want to resign, for example. It's not as if it's exactly an alien thought that uh, someone wants to leave Calgary. Uh, it's happened a couple times in recent years. So the one that is the most intriguing, obviously, is Lindholm. But just because I, I, have, a, I have a trade uh, tier thing on ESPN today, kind of like looking at the current landscape of who might be available based on where teams are in the standings. And I, and I do have the Calgary guys on there simply because I think they need to be in the conversation. But Lindholm is the one that I think has the most interest around the league right now. I, you know, the, the whispers have been pretty strong around the Colorado Avalanche, having kind of coveted this guy a little bit as uh, a second line uh, forward behind the McKinnon line. Not, not to say they don't think Ryan Johansson can do the job necessarily, but, but they're looking for that guy that can play a 200-foot a game and be that quintessential second line center on a successful team. Um, and, and I think they think that Lindholm could be that guy. The Boston Bruins have had interest in him for, for a while now as well. So, you know, the, the simple fact that you've got so, such a marketplace for him uh, and, and the fact that this thing, the contract thing has gone on as long as it has, would maybe tell you that, that you, could, you could probably do pretty well for yourself if you moved him up by the deadline. Is there any way the Flames could finagle getting Bowen Byram in a Lindholm deal with the Avs? I mean, sure. Why not? I mean, it, uh, it all depends on how desperate they are to, to try to, like, you know, make this, get this deal done. And, and, and if they truly believe that he's a, a last piece of the puzzle guy, but you know, time and time again, we've seen teams ask for young defensemen and deals <laughs> and time and time again, we've seen teams be like, no, you can have anything but young defensemen in the deal. I mean, that 
the, the amount of teams that have tried to take Brant Clark away from the LA Kings in all of these trades, like Fiala and all the other deals they've made, uh, and then the LA Kings just abs- absolutely refusing to deal one of their blue chip defensemen uh, has it, it, it's. I think that's the case for a lot of these teams around the league. Like once you get a guy in your system like that, um, you don't want to lose him, even if it means getting a, a huge upgrade for another part of your team. Um, which. When it comes to the three UFAs, I just wanted to know, what do you think the value is for Chris Tanev out there? He's a guy that Rasmus Anderson has spoke extremely highly of, saying he's like a glue guy, one of the most important guys, if not the most important guy on the team. What is his value around the NHL after just turning 34 today? It's huge. I mean, every year, there, and it's usually a guy that we've never heard of, Every year, there's some guy that plays a Chris Tanev type role that gets like bid to the moon by the deadline because teams need that guy, and, and that guy is is not necessarily in abundance in this league. The veteran physical player, the the guy who gives 110 percent, the the pace setter from the blue line, a guy who can settle down a defensive pairing uh, with maybe a guy that's a little bit more offensively inclined, you know. And and we've seen you know pretty good bounties going back the other way. I think about like a guy like David Savard. For you know, players like that. So, like, I, I think that his value would be very high, and I also think that there's going to be a market for him because you have a lot of teams that right now. I think of the Devils, for example, as a team that if they if they get back into playoff contention, uh, you know, is going to need that kind of guy in their blue line because they don't have him right now. And you watch a team like that play, and it's skate, 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 and you know, Hughes is great and everything else, but like they need that kind of physical. Uh, you know, acumen back there, and, and a lot of teams lack it, and, and Tanev could bring it. Could they get a first for him? Sure. I mean, I think, I think depending on the team and where they are and how they feel about things and, and how confident they are that they're going to be a, a, in the playoffs and not in the lottery, uh, it's completely not inconceivable to see, him, to see them get a first for him, like a low first, but a first nonetheless. Um, but again, it depends on the marketplace, depends on how many teams are, are in on him. Um, but again, like I said, I think I think a guy with his skill set is a player that uh, becomes quite coveted uh, around deadline time. Um, which we saw the performance Jacob Markstrom had Monday night against the Panthers. He was fantastic, and this is something we talked about on the show yesterday. Uh, Chris Tanev, obviously uh, a very important member of this team. Jacob Markstrom having an incredibly good bounce back season. And when it comes to Lindholm and Hannafin, there's no question those guys. If they're not going to stay, you have to trade them. They're, they're going to get a ton on the open market and on and, and on the trade front. But when you look at the teams around the Flames for the wild card, and if Jacob Marstrom continues to play really well, why can't the Calgary Flames potentially hold on to Chris Tanev, squeeze into a playoff spot, you know, let, let, let all the young guys on the team experience Stanley Cup playoff hockey? Because I feel like when it comes to the Western Conference, because it's so kind of top-heavy, why can't the Flames be a playoff team, even if they do trade away Lindholm and Hannafin, kind of like what the Predators did last year? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think they can win the Cup? No. Do I think a lot okay, of teams so- out there who are going to acquire a guy like Chris Tanev can win the Cup? No. I, I think a lot of the teams that would acquire Chris Tanev to win, uh, will be in a better position to win the Cup than, than the Flames. So to answer your question with my question, I am, I am team – Let's just take a step back and, 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 and reload. Uh, that's where I am on the Flames. Like, I think everybody gets excited by a playoff race. I think everybody gets excited when, when they push forward. And to me, it's like, eventually you've got to answer the question, to what end? Like, does it, does it do the, the, the team 
a disservice to hang on to these guys, potentially have them walk away for nothing, uh, only to get whacked by the avalanche. Like, like I, I mean, you get some playoff revenue. You do get the experience of those young players. And I do think that's important. I was just talking to somebody the other day about how when the Oilers pre-McDavid had all those young players and they wallowed in, in misery for like five years. And it took a long time for like Everly and Hall to recover from that. Like, I think it's important to get young players in the playoffs. But in this case, I, again, I'm just team take a step back. I'm team maximize your assets, understand your roster. You're, you're still a, a, a team in search of a, of, a, of, a, of a centerpiece player after Goudreau and Kachuk left. Like, get your picks, you know, do what you can and, and kind of reload a little bit is, is kind of where I am on the Flames. One of the teams that I think could be linked to trade talks at the Flames, especially when it comes to the Elias Lindholm conversation, is the Colorado Avalanche. Yesterday, Devon Taves called out his club after the game saying, just guys aren't in the right position, guys aren't doing things that we expect. What have you made of the Avalanche's play lately, and and do you think we could (laughs) maybe see a move to jumpstart him after the freeze is up? I do. Yeah, it it was kind of like, not only like guys aren't in the right position, it was guys think they're in the right position. They think they're playing well, and they're not, which I thought was a really, really pointed comment. Um, but, but again, Taves is a guy who has earned that cachet on that roster to make that kind of statement and, and to try to light a fire under his team. Um, look, I, listen, they're, they're a team that is, is one of those great tinkerers, right? They're, they're always going to be a team that looks to improve in season, um, identifying parts of the team that, are, that aren't working and, and then making moves that, that obviously address the situation. So, Will it be after the freeze? Will there be a sense of urgency? I don't know. I think they're still pretty in a pretty decent position right now in the Central Division. But, I mean, there's no question that this is not going to be the Avalanche roster now that we see when they get to the playoffs. And, like, the, the other thing there is that, you know, they've got all of these defensemen when you go with Taves and Byram and McCarr. Do you think that they just need a forward to add to this group? Or do you think that there's more that we could see the Avalanche try and acquire to help this roster? I mean, I think I think up front is where you have to look. I mean, you know, who who knows with Landis Cog, right? But like, yeah. they they to me, you're right. The decor has been great uh, and deep, uh, you know, for a while now. But there's been sort of uh, you know attrition at the forward position. They've lost some guys that were real, you know, interesting skill guys for them and interesting depth guys for them over the years. Um, but again, they've got time to tinker with the roster. They've got time to to get the people in there that they want to get in there. And they've got time to hope that some of the players that Taves was calling out uh, find their game again. Zadorov traded to the Canucks. They've continued to hum along just fine. What are you making of the way that they're playing? And, and do you think, do you see them as a legitimate cup contender right now? You have to, I mean, based on the way that they played and, and, you know, the, they've, they've certainly outkicked their coverage. Like I didn't think they'd be this good. I knew they'd <laughs> be a playoff team, but I didn't think they'd be this good. Um, but as long as they keep rolling the way they are and, and, uh, and, and getting contributions throughout the lineup and, and really playing, you know, smart hockey, uh, there's no reason why they can't be considered one. Now, the most important, the two most important stats that I saw this week are vis-a-vis Western conference contenders are the amount of games played by Brock Besser and the amount of games played by, uh, Nick Ehlers. (laughs) And, and they're both a lot of them. And that is not, common for those players at this point in the season. Usually Bester's hurt. Usually Ehlers is hurt. But in the, in the case of both those guys, uh, uh, they're, they, they're healthy. And, and in Bester's case, that is the real key. I mean, he's always had the ability to put the puck in the net. The question mark has always been, can this guy stay in the lineup? And so far he has. And that's really, for me, the biggest, the biggest question and the biggest important thing 
facing the Canucks is they've, they've had incredible luck and, and good fortune right now with the health of their core, the health of their top five or six players. Um, and, and that's not been the case for the last two seasons. If that remains the case, then, yeah, they're going to be a contender. And Brock Besser, he's got nine power play goals. He's tied with Val Nichushkin for the league lead, 23 goals overall. A guy that for years it felt like Vancouver was doing anything they could to trade this guy away. Where would they be without him, though? Exactly. I mean, he's outscoring Ovechkin on the power play. Although, you know, mm. like everybody's scoring out Ovechkin on the, yeah. on, scoring Ovechkin <laughs> on the power play. Uh, no, no, he, you're right. And, and I guess that is the lesson. I mean, and, and it's a lesson that's learned a lot in this league. There's more examples, I think, in this league of teams being smart and, and keeping their, their group together and not pulling the trigger on guys that are, are constantly in the rumor mill uh, being the right decision than, than cautionary tales of hanging on to a guy for too long. Um, JT Miller is another guy. Like how, how many rumors have we heard about JT Miller in the last two years? Yeah. You know, like he's going to Pittsburgh, he's going here, he's going there. And instead they like double down and signed him and stuff. And, you know, he's one of the top five scorers in the league. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, the Canucks are a good example of, of maybe closing out the noise and, and believing in your group. And, and sometimes that pays off. And, you know, we might even be seeing that situation in, in, in the East with the Islanders. I mean, how many, me being one of them, how many people look at that roster and said, how can you keep on doubling down on a group that hasn't won in the last like two years and, and believe that they can somehow do something and, and now they're doing something. So I don't know, maybe, maybe don't listen to the media is what I'm trying to say uh, in short order. <laughs> uh, wish uh, bigger disappointment, senators or sabers? Oh, senators. I think for me personally, like the sabers still felt like they needed another year of cooking. Like I, I wasn't convinced that Devin Levi was going to come in and, and fix the defense. I mean, basically like he needed to be a good goalie, but he also needed to be a good goalie in the context of they aren't a, a good defensive team at all. So I, I wasn't really sold on them. I was sold on the senators. I thought they were a solid group. I actually thought they'd be a playoff team this year. Um, their, their goaltending has been atrocious uh, for most of the season. And that, that's a group that really should have been better than what it is right now. And, and Corpus Salo is kind of turning the corner a little bit lately, but, uh, but Forsberg has been pretty bad. Um, but then there was some unforeseen things too, like Shabbat playing nine games. Although I, again, I don't know how unforeseen that is. The guy always is out of the lineup. It seems like, and then the Pinto thing happening and, you know, the Dorian thing. And it was just like a lot of stuff happening with the, with the senators that were sort of unpredictable. Um, but as a group, we had, um, we had Jason York on the show on the, on the drop, my podcast with Ardo Cal this week. And he, he had something, he said something that I think is pretty, pretty intriguing, which is uh, the senators play like they're, better than they are and by, and by that i mean that they think they're better than they are so like they kind of believe that they're, they're they've got a, a team that could be a playoff team and such and sometimes they play that way but fundamentally they, they need to work harder than they do and i think you can kind of see that in, in the way they perform this season uh which are the oilers are a playoff team are they i hope so i mean i, I hope not on thursday because i'm taking my kid to see him against the devils and uh, i'd like to see her see a devil's win right then they can get back on it against the rangers the next game um no they, they they've hit a little hiccup now after after feeling really good about themselves for a couple weeks after the coaching change or, or you mean um, Connor mcdavid just dragging them to all those wins single-handedly <laughs> like no, i you know, i just think it's funny like the hockey <laughs> words like oh the oilers are back when well, the guy's scoring like 20 points in five games yeah no wonder they win all these games it's literally well, if he's on fire got- they win that's it well, well, hold on. They weren't winning eleven to ten. Like they, okay, they were well. getting a couple saves too. Finally, too, right. and, and you know, demo- demoting Jack Campbell and and you know, exercising that demon was was a pretty smart move by them too. So, like you know, they things were kind of coming together. The thing about like Woodcroft 
at the time also was firing is that they weren't playing that badly. They just weren't getting results. Like I remember at the time of the firing, there was a stat where McDavid led the league and he still leads the league. In fact, in passes that result in shot attempts by his teammates. But at the time he had like, like three primary assists or something like, like nobody was converting the chances that McDavid was making. So part of it, you know, for, for Connor was not only him putting the puck in the net himself, but it was also his teammates finally stepping up to the table and converting the chances that he had been creating. I think they're a playoff team. I, I mean, I do. I, I, the, the wild card in the West, like you said, doesn't exactly scare me. I think what the start for them did was take the top three in the Pacific out of the equation. And, and that probably will come back to haunt them come playoff time, considering the lack of advantage they'll have in matchups and things like that. But I, I still think when you look at the teams ahead of them, um, the, the Oilers are just going to be this team that rolls off like, you know, an eight, one and one stretch. And then they go like, Oh, four and one. And then you're like, uh Oh, and then they go eight, one and one again. Like that's mm-hmm. just who they are. It was uh, disappointing to see yesterday Nolan Patrick uh, retiring from the NHL. Disappointing just because head injuries derailed the career of a former second overall pick. The 2017 draft will be known for Nico Heischer and, and the Stars getting basically their entire core out of that draft. But I just wondered if you had any any thoughts on Nolan Patrick um, officially retiring from the NHL at the age of 25 yesterday. Yeah, that's. I mean, you, you hit you hit on the on the head, which is that it's just a, a tragedy of of not getting a chance to see that talent in the league because of, of injury and because of, of, you know, things going awry with his health. And, and, you know, you know, you never want to see if a guy is going to become a footnote in the draft, you want it to be because of like lack of ability or, or they overreached or, you know, when you throw around the word bust, you want it to be for reasons in which, you know, you can call somebody a bust and, and, and not feel terrible about it. And anybody who calls Patrick a bust, it's going to feel terrible about it because it's not as if the guy didn't give an effort. It's not as if the guy didn't have talent. It's that his career was kind of taken away from him. And, uh, and that's a real shame. Wish before I let you go, uh, we've been asking our listeners, uh, their favorite Christmas movie of all time. Why? And their least favorite Christmas movie of all time. Where are you going? (laughs) So for, for a rewatchability standpoint, I think the one I've watched the most because, my wife and I had made it a tradition is love actually every year. Oh, like nice. we watch love actually every year. That's what we do. Is it my favorite? No, but it might be the one I've gotten the most mileage out of in the last like decade. Um, you know, for me, I would probably veer towards more like Christmas vacation, home alone, that kind of thing. But the love actually is probably the one we've watched the most. And then like my least favorite. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, like I was, I was never a fan of the uh, Jim Carrey Grinch remake. I feel oh, like, okay. I have, I have a rule in life. I call it the scallop rule. You know how, like, there's a perfect way to cook a scallop? Like, you broil it with some butter and lemon. Yep. And then, like, any other time you eat a scallop, you're like, this really isn't as good as the perfect way to make a scallop. Hmm. I kind of feel like we had the Grinch in the cartoon, and that's all we'll ever need, and that we didn't need to do live action, hmm. and we didn't need to see Jim Carrey mincing around in a giant furry suit. So that's kind of how I feel about that movie. Um, real quick, uh, take I shared with my co-host uh, off air. Um, when you watch Billy Bob Thornton's Bad Santa, you need a shower after. <laughs> yes, and that's exactly why I think it lacks rewatchability. Yeah. It is, it is, I, the word I would use is scuzzy. It's a real yeah. scuzzy movie. It's, it's it, really it, well it done. You, it, it, it's just, yeah, but it makes you, it makes you, It makes you itch. 
Yeah. It makes you absolutely itch when you watch it. <laughs> By the way, I, on the Pucks of Patreon, we did a, a, a special podcast on Die Hard. I know that, that it, it's, it used to be a hipster thing to say Die Hard is a Christmas movie, then it became a hipster thing to say it's not. Um, if, you, if you look within the context of the movie and, and the themes of the movie, uh, it is very much a holiday movie. It's very much a Christmas movie. It's about coming back to family. It's about miracles. It's the whole thing. I, I am firmly still in the Die Hard as a Christmas movie camp, even though I know that's come back around to, mm. no, that's dumb. It's just an action movie. Uh, Greg Wyshynski, uh NHL, ESPN, senior writer. Wish all the best during the holidays. Thanks for this. Thanks for having me. There he is, Greg Wyshynski. 960, 960, name and location. Your favorite Christmas movie of all time and why, and your least favorite Christmas movie of all time. And why? 960, 960, name and location. We'll give away some movie tickets next. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Yeah, yeah. It's the big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, five days till Xmas. Five days till Christmas. Get your shopping done. Um, go. To, I'm sure the mall will be super busy today. So pack your patience. Don't fight somebody over a parking spot. No, no. Although, although no. my move is to stalk people in their parking spot, like the Zodiac Killer. Like oh. you just slowly drive behind oh, them, stalking their parking spot. Okay. And then you just wait till they get out and you pull right in. Yeah. But the get stalking, <laughs> you do it very slowly behind them as they're walking to their car yeah. to get into their car. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, this is a parking spot. And then you pull your van up behind him and you slide the door open and put like a black throw in the hood back. over their face. And then tell them, you win a prize yeah. and see what their reaction is. No, but that's the move. You just slowly stalk behind them in your car like mm. the Zodiac Killer. Tommy I, Al, um, Ryan Leslie. I have managed to avoid malls for all my Christmas shopping. Oh, okay. Oh, look at you. I sit in my underwear and do all my Christmas shopping. Lucky if I'm in my underwear. Okay. Uh, Ryan Leslie covers the Flames for SportsCenter at the top of the hour. We'll play Impossible Flames Trivia at 8.30. I'm not going to lie. I haven't put too much work into it yet. It's oh, just good. one of those days. Nailed it. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of wing it Nine six zero nine six zero. Describe George's effort today. Uh, zero. <laughs> zero is the effort. No, we work hard, but we play harder. Um, we've been asking you all morning. Dumb. Your favorite Christmas movie and why in your least favorite Christmas movie and why? I always, uh, when, when Patrick's not here and uh, we hand over the responsibilities of texting McTexterson to somebody else, I'm always a little, there's always some trepidation. Uh-huh. I'm always a little uh, iffy on, is texting being pointed in the right direction? Mm-hmm. Is he being used to his utmost ability? And this week, Shan, co-host of the Big Pigeon Show with Azam on Sportsnet 960, the fan, has been given the task, the responsibility of running texting McTexterson this week. And how do you think you've done so far, Shan, this week? Uh, I, I think I've done okay. Yesterday you were, like, breathing over my shoulder about it, which was fine. I, I like the direction. I was breathing over your shoulder. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Uh, um, I, I think I've done okay. GVP, how do you think he's done? He's done pretty good, I think. It's a thankless job. It's why I pawned it off. But Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nice. Real good. You're the general on that side of the glass right now. Yeah. Yes, sir. You're the general. I'm the sheriff of this side. Uh, don't you use my stuff. 
You're more the general, <laughs> the colonel, if you will. The don't, deputy. Don't the deputy. Use yeah, you. Yeah, stuff. the deputy. All right. You're the deputy sheriff over there because I'm the sheriff. Let's see how much of Georgia's stuff we can use tomorrow. You should. See you next year. No, I hate that so much. <laughs> we'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Shan thinks it's hilarious. It's pretty good. No, no it's not. I didn't no, bring it up. I need to it say it. It really that. isn't. It really I didn't isn't. Bring it up. But I will give you credit for wearing a Christmas sweater today, Shan. Thank you. Real original. Thank you for <laughs> 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 Thank you for being Thank you for being in the Christmas spirit. Absolutely. GVP is not. Why? Well, how do you know? Today. What do you have? What do you have? A, what do you have? A direct line to his heart? Well, maybe it's all in his heart. Maybe I don't know. Listen, we were talking about Christmas sweaters yesterday. He's going off on me. Yeah, but what? Because oh, he, like, he didn't want like, to wear show up and wear a Christmas sweater. Because he hates just, fun. I don't okay. hate fun. I just hate stupid gimmicks that get Whoa. played out too much. Okay. Respectfully. Okay. <laughs> you can't just say respectfully. <laughs> yeah, it's just like when you call with all due respect, and then you just tear him a new one. Yeah. Um, we're giving away Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom tickets. Oh, I said with all due respect. Yeah, exactly. That, that doesn't mean you get to say whatever you want to say to me. It sure, yeah. sure as heck does. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it does. doesn't it's mean that. It's in the that. Geneva Convention. Look it up. Exactly. It's, it's in the, the Geneva, Geneva Convention. Convention. Yeah. Look it up. Uh, Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom on December 22nd. Uh, your chance to win uh, two general admissions, two medium drinks, two medium popcorns. And Good we're deal. asking you, your favorite Christmas movie and why, and your mm-hmm. least favorite Christmas movie and why. All right, Chan, it's your turn to shine with Texty. What do we got? Rick from the Glen favorite is Die Hard because Merry Christmas, mother. Oh. Least is any Hallmark movie because a 12-year-old girl wrote each one. <laughs> okay. Strong. That's not true, Strong. though. Most of them are written by AI at this point. Oh. I'm sad. That's kind of scary. Well, do uh, I do welcome our AI overlords when Can't they eventually wait. take over yeah, the world. Sign me up. Um, Rick. I like that one. Rickster. I've told you, it's always been my dream yeah, to co-host no, somebody no. named Rick, That's so I can call him Rickster okay. the whole show. I'm going to write that down. That's one of George's things we got to do tomorrow. We Rickster. Rickster. Yeah, right. We're going to get a Rick-only lineup tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah? yeah? Rick Ball? Yeah, okay. Who uh, else? Rick. Uh-huh. Um. Uncle Ricky? I don't know. I've got no other Ricks. Why is it taking you so long to play crickets? <laughs> <laughs> I love Getting when I'm away and you guys just take easy shots at me. <laughs> I like it. When the sheriff's away, <laughs> hey, we get to play around now. Yeah. It's like a lawless town in the yeah. old west. Yeah. It's a lawless land. Where, where, like Greenland. Where? Yeah. Thank you. Sheriff's not here. It's like, oh, I get to play where, around. Where, no, they, John Law is not around. Yeah. I'm just going to shoot my gun into the air. Like it's New Year's Eve in Los Angeles. Yeah. All right. Play another one. Scott and Evergreen currently in Innisfil on my way to head office in Edmonton. No. Favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life because Mary Hatch is hot. Worst movie, Charlie Brown Christmas because Charlie Brown is brutal. Okay. <laughs> All right, Scott, I like it. It's a Wonderful Life's a classic. My ex always used to watch It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas. Oh, yeah. oh, that a boy, Clarence. Oh, yeah. TJ Fev, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wing. <laughs> okay, oh, we know. 
I'm like, why we got to watch this crap every year? <laughs> oh, oh, that a boy, Clarence. Oh, he's over there. He's over there. Like, why we got to watch that every time? <laughs> every time. I don't know. And it's always on NBC. Oh, oh it's time always. for It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. And everybody's just smoking all the time. Wow. Oh. Well, the bank's going to oh, close. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get it. And I've never seen old things. I always fall asleep. It's like six hours long. And oh, oh, that a boy. <laughs> it's really good. No, yeah, thank you. I'm really enjoying this thank all the you. way through. That was a strong text from Scott. I got to say, Shan, you're two for two right now. Yes. So I, I think there's only there's only one way. It's way down if we're going to do with a good one here. Yeah. All right, text number three, please. Tom in Varsity. Good morning, boys. My favorite movie is The Goodfellas because I'm a cranky old bastard and it had a great cast and plot. Yeah. My least favorite movie was The Shape of Water because I didn't understand it. <laughs> I left the theater yeah. after half an hour, yeah. sat in the car, and got yelled at all the way home. <laughs> Merry Christmas, ho-ho. Okay, so what was his name? That was Tom in Varsity. Uh, Tom, we asked you Christmas movies, Tom. Like Christmas movies. Good fellas in the shape, shape of, of water. water. That's nice. what he came yeah. up with. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. Thanks for just not really paying attention to what we're saying. Now, I can't remember. Was the water creature, was was he Santa? Yeah. It's like, did he get presents for Christmas? Probably not. They were actually pretty poorly behaved. So I haven't Santa seen the shape of up. water. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest with you. I've I've actually interviewed uh-huh. and held the Oscar of producer Miles Dale for the shape of water. Okay, but I've never seen the film. Not bad. It's it's yeah. Like, what's the creature's name in it? Have you I seen don't it? know. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, oh, okay. we 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 watched it when Haley and I did the the. Gam- oh. Gambit of award shows oh, a couple of years ago when okay. it was nominated, so we watched oh, it. All right, yeah. Well, that a boy creature. All right, next one. <laughs> Brian in Cochran. My favorite Christmas movie would uh, be Elf with Will Ferrell because he's makes my belly jiggle with laughter. Yeah. The worst Christmas movie is all the crap that's on the woman's network. Okay, that's filling that's... up my PVR thanks to the mother-in-law that's living with me. <laughs> okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! <laughs> oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. Yeah, Elf is a classic. Oh, my God. And I do like Zoe Deschanel in that movie. Mm-hmm. Very lovely. Yeah, Elf is a classic. Mm-hmm. Again, people are hating on the Hallmark movies, but again, it, they look like they all take place in Banff. Yeah, like they're all lovely, small town. Yeah, a couple hundred people. Yeah, big tree. Yeah. It's got a big town square. Yeah, there's also some big city person who comes back to a small town. Yeah. and meets the high school sweetheart who's just smoking hot. They're turning the ski hill into a factory. Yeah, we have to win the race so that we can keep our ski hill. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Thanks, Mr. Narwhal. See, that's a good plot for a movie. Mm-hmm. I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Yeah, Facts. I like that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next. Trent in Airdrie, the Grinch favorite, cause it reminds me of myself cause I don't like Christmas. Hmm? Least favorite Santa Claus 3 cause they should have stopped after the first one. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. There was a Santa Claus 3 starring Tim Allen. Is that with Tim Allen? I think so. Tim Allen? They made a third one? Santa Claus 3? Like Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. With oh. Tim Allen and Eric Lloyd and Martin Short. Wait. Alan er- Arkin. Wait. Eric Lloyd's in that movie? Yeah. 
That's not a bad name for a movie, though. The Escape Clause. Santa? Yeah, no, it's it's a good pun. Next! Wedley in Bridlewood. Here we go. Trailer Park Boys Christmas is my fave. Of the course. scene where Ricky is selling drugs at church cracks me up. <laughs> Mr. LaHaye is great. Worst Christmas movie is Love Actually. The movie sucks and Hans Gruber is better in another Christmas movie. Hmm. There are those who are desperate and given to crime. Ten bucks. Best weed, best hash, you'll smoke over Christmas. Guaranteed. Ricky! No, not a big trailer park guy. Never was. Um, I, I, I've never watched the whole show. I've watched it in snippets. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those shows that, like, if you binge it, you feel stupid. Mm. Like, you feel noticeably dumber after watching the show. Is it like listening to our show? You feel noticeably dumber after you listen to our three-hour program? Yeah, I guess. Mm. Like, oh, look at the hard-hitting stuff bad. we're doing right now. That's disappointing. People are driving into work going, oh, my favorite yeah. and least favorite Christmas movie. This is what you <laughs> idiots came up with today? Yeah, like this is what you're talking about. What's next? You're gonna ask a prominent Calgary sportscaster what's the best food to eat in a hot tub? <laughs> next, that was also good Sean one. in Capitol Hill. Favorite Christmas movie is Love Actually. Oh. Opening scene in the airport gets me every time, and Hugh Grant is the best, except for that one time. Worst movie is A Christmas Story because every character is super annoying, and it is my wife's favorite movie. <laughs> okay, maybe there's a. Maybe there's there's a reason why it's your least, mm. and it be, has to do with the relationship. Again, I'm maybe there's something there because she likes it so much. You don't. The, there's usually a little bit of given. That's what I mean. Yeah, give and take, a yeah. push and pull in these situations. Yeah. You got to massage a lot of the family dynamics over the holidays. You know what this I'm is surprised? certainly one of them. We haven't heard yet. That's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Is Just Friends. Just Friends. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know which one's just Amy friends. Smart, Ryan Reynolds. Oh, I do like me some Ryan yeah. Reynolds. Two thousand five. Okay. Yeah. I love. Klein. I'm Chris a fan. Martin. I'm a fan of the uh, Amy Smart. Big fan of the Amy Smart. Okay. All right, next. Good. Brett in Evanston. Best is National Lampoon's Cherished Maze because a cat explodes. Worst is Home Alone three because it's not Macaulay Culkin. That's true. They should have just. They should have folded just it up. No, I I know why they made a Home Alone two, because the just the smashing success of Home Alone and Home but Alone really, two they really terrible. lose them again. Really, kind <laughs> of bad. They should have just threw them in jail for being bad parents. <laughs> yeah, right to prison. Hey, Kevin, stay close to me here. It's Christmas, and we don't want a repeat of what happened last year when we left you alone. Yeah, maybe because get... none of us noticed you weren't on the flight. I don't even know how that's possible. You got to get like uh, one of those leashes, the dog harness for your oh. cre- for your kid. Mm. That way they don't get lost. How many more we got? One time I got lost that, to the that's zoo. That's it. That's it. That's it. A lot, a lot of love actually is on both sides. Uh, a little bit of Elf. Another one. Well, there's a lot of texts here. I know. This, another Charlie Brown. Not a good word. Not a lot of Charlie Brown fans here. Well, no, I know, but there's a there's a there's a ton of texts here. I can keep working. Yeah, okay. like I I'm not like which one? Like Evan, best movie is Jingle All the Way. Worst movie is Any Home. Jingle All the Way, starring the Arnold Schwarzenegger, is your favorite movie. Already, Jingle All the Way. Already in one of his most dramatic roles. Yeah, just crushing like, it. Yeah, uh, best Christmas movie, Home Alone, because he doesn't like slapstick pain causes. Oh, oh okay. Worst Christmas movie, Jingle All the Way. Yeah. 
cringe humor, Sinbad, Nuff said, Scott and Thorncliffe. There's just so many of these. Just read the uh, synopsis for Home Alone 3. No good. All right. Um, like terrorist I organization? Away, I guess we can give away the prize there's to the a, ones we actually have. There's a chip in a remote control car? What is this? This is bad. I don't think I ever saw Home Which Alone one did 3. you like the best? Who was driving to Edmonton? Scott? Scott and Evergreen. Play that one again. Scott and Evergreen currently in Innisfil on my way to head office in Edmonton. Favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life because Mary Hatch is hot. Mm-hmm. Worst movie, hmm. Charlie Brown Christmas because Charlie Brown is brutal. Okay, uh, congratulations, Scott, driving to Edmonton. And you know what? I want to give you a prize because you're driving to Edmonton. You've just won two tickets to see Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom on December 22nd. You've won two general admissions, two medium drinks, and two medium popcorns. Yes. Yes. When an ancient power is unleashed, Aquaman must forge an uneasy alliance with an unlikely ally to protect Atlantis and the world from irreversible devastation. Shan, can you please come here for a sec? What what are you doing? No, I why does he have to come here? I wanna can you go can you go to your side and read the synopsis of the movie? Oh good. in a movie voice, yeah. please. Really deep, please. Yeah, I really want you to put a lot of effort into yep. it. All right, let's listen. Okay, I'm gonna cue you, Shan. Are you ready? In three, two, and one. When an ancient power is unleashed, Aquaman must forge an uneasy alliance with an unlikely ally to protect Atlantis and the world from irreversible devastation. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Sean in uh, Sean in Cramitville. That's not a real place. That's good. That's, that's so good. Cramitville. It's right next to Ballsack. Um, just friends suck so bad. How dare you, Sean? Cramitville literally comes up with nothing on Really? Google. Cramitville. No- nothing. Oh, okay. All right. I think he's telling us to cram it. Cram it. All right. Uh, Shut your pie we, hole, we gave bud. away We gave away some movie tickets. I feel good about that segment. Yeah, do you? Yeah, I do. Good. Excellent. Two um, hours down. One more to go. Um, Ryan Leslie's next. I'm excited. I will ask him what his favorite Christmas movie is and least favorite Christmas movie. Maybe I'm he'll sure he watch has an it. answer. Maybe he'll watch it on the flight to Anaheim. Oh, maybe. Lovely California. Here. Yeah. It's lovely this time. And then uh, we'll play Impossible Flames trivia at 830. Going to be good. Going to be fun. Great rest of the show. It's going to be so a much Flames talk very, for you. Oh, yeah. Very strong final We're hour of the program. Back into sports, baby. I think I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. I just want to be honest with you right now. Okay, good. Be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with Shane. I'm going to be honest with GVP. I think this is the best show we've ever done. I think this is the pinnacle. It doesn't get any better than this. Mm, Okay. This one's sliding on in. Yeah. Just sliding in. Easing on in. Just dipping my toe in like Eric Francis in a hot tub. We'll hit our stride by 8.50. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Uh, (laughs) Ryan Leslie next. Big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The fan.